who, who in the room is a believer in the phrase, less is more? Less is more. Some of you guys are in this line of thinking less is more, and I would assume the rest of you either more is more or somewhere in between all of that. For those of you who raised your hand, that probably means you're in marketing. Marketing folks always say less is more. They look at our pamphlets and they say too many words, not enough pictures. The web developers in the room, they go to the websites and they say, I've got to be able to find what I'm looking for in two clicks or less. You just have too much information on your site. I would even venture to say that less is more has probably weaseled its way into this room today. Let me give you an example. I know as people who are sitting here listening to me speak this morning that most of you are not going to take offense if I shorten my message just a little bit, okay? I've been speaking for a long time, and and usually I'm about the 35-minute mark, so you can time me today and see if I'm about 35 minutes. I have never spoken 30 minutes or 25 minutes and received an email later that week that said, you shortchanged us. (laughs) So next week, if you can give us an extra five minutes, that would be great. But yet, There are many people in the world that do not live by a less is more kind of principle. Let me give you a couple examples. Colgate toothpaste. I was surfing around on the Colgate toothpaste website recently. Don't ask me why. Uh, I'll explain that later. And I realized that Colgate toothpaste has currently 48 different types of toothpaste. I'm not talking 48 different sizes. That's not counting a travel size and an economy size. 48 different types of toothpaste for all of our dental care needs. Or how about the Cheesecake Factory? Who doesn't love the Cheesecake Factory, right? I mean, I'm happy to go there tonight. I would love to go there tonight. But when I go to the Cheesecake Factory, this is what my day looks like. I have to order an appetizer to get there. That appetizer gets me through pages 1 through 21 of the menu. Then I eat the appetizer to get the sustenance to get me through the following 25 pages of the menu. Some of you guys are shaking your head. They are not a less is more type of restaurant. Let's make sure that everybody is pleased and has some choice. What about the last time you booked a hotel room? I booked a hotel room for our family uh, just a couple of days ago. We're going down to Surfside Beach, South Carolina later on this summer. And when I get to the point when you can pick the type of room that you want, these are all the choices that I was given. And I quote, Standard double ocean view, double queen ocean view, king ocean view, double queen ocean view with balcony, king ocean view with balcony, junior suite with queen sleeper sofa, king balcony room with premium ocean view, and double queen premium balcony room. Those are all the ones in my price range. Okay, so there are some other two-room suites that are above all of that. And I thought to myself, there are a lot of choices that we have out there. And you and I live in this culture of choices, don't we? We live in this culture where we have so much access and so many things that we can pick and choose from. But a huge part of what we have to discuss this morning and a huge part of what we have to do some self-evaluation on is have all of these choices helped us or have they hindered us? And when all of those things kind of lay over into our spiritual life, have all of the access that we've been given, has it actually helped us or has it debilitated us to some degree? Has it helped us in some capacity or has it harmed us? Because if we want to live a life that's full and rich, which I assume that all of us do, then we know that there are going to be things that are either going to move us in the right direction or there are going to be things that are going to make it more difficult for us. Research would say, statistically speaking, I'm not making this up. This is not a commentary. This is just what research would say. Research would say, statistically speaking, that the less you have, the more generous you tend to be. And the more that you have, the more that you tend to hold it a little bit more tightly. And yet all of us, I'm sure, would be the first to say, you know, if we can get more, why would we not pursue more? Knowing full well, though, that that might be one of the barriers that's preventing us from going to that next step 
that we desire to be in. So in this series called Leverage, what we're seeking to do is to look at all these facets of our life to see, are we truly maximizing those things to the most potential that they can be? Last week, we spoke about time. In the weeks to come, we're going to talk about influence and resources, but specifically today, we're going to talk about education and the access that we have and the training that we have and all of the things that you and I have at our disposal. Because see, those are the very things that we should leverage to God first. And yet some of the very things that we simply have denied God access to. And so this morning, we're going to do just a serious gut check. A gut check to say, Lord, have I allowed every part of my life to be leveraged for you? Or are there parts of my life that I'm still leveraging for myself? Or maybe I'm bought, I've bought into this more is more principle. And this morning, I need to walk away just realizing more isn't necessarily more, but it's about taking what I have and leveraging it for the Lord's plans and the Lord's purposes. So know that I'm so grateful that you're here with us this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we dig into this series, and specifically today in our passage in Luke chapter 12. So if you'll pray with me, we'd greatly appreciate it. Lord, thank you for this beautiful morning of life. I thank you for what you have done and what you're going to continue to do this morning. I pray that you would speak to each and every heart that's in this room. Help us to be mindful of you. Help us to grow in you. And I pray that the words from... Luke and the words from other scripture that we're going to be reading this morning would truly penetrate our heart and that we would walk away this morning changed as a result of you. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and that we ask all of these things. Amen and amen. So to unpack these truths, I'm going to have you turn to the book of Luke chapter 12. If you have a mobile device, you can hop on there. Luke chapter 12, a lot of these words are going to be up here on the screen for you as well. Specifically, verses 35 through 48 is where we're going to be camping out here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we need to look at the context of what is happening here. I've said this many weeks in this space, and I'll, and I'll say it again today. You can't take just a section of the Bible and fully understand what's going on if you don't understand the broader context. It would be like plucking out a chapter of a book and trying to understand what the whole book is about just by that one chapter. So Luke chapter 12 is a very telling chapter of the Bible. It's going to give us in the first 34 verses some context that really helps us understand the passage that we're going to read today. And so what I'm going to do is go through this pretty quickly just to set the stage because it's really important for us to understand. In chapter 12, if you go to verse 1, you'll see that Jesus starts talking to this crowd of thousands of people, including his disciples. So there's thousands of people who have gathered together for this teaching that Jesus is giving, and he's starts out by encouraging those who are listening to guard their heart that the, to make sure that the yeast of the Pharisees does not take root in their life. It's kind of a strange phrase. What does that specifically mean? For those of you who bake, what does yeast do to a pile of dough? It makes it rise, correct? And so he's saying there's something about the Pharisees' teaching that if you don't guard your heart, that is going to rise up in your life, and it's something that's not going to be beneficial, and it's not going to be God-honoring per se. Now, the Pharisees were people who were very legalistic. They were more about rules than they were grace. They were also some of the same people who would be struggling with the own, their, own, their own stuff, and they would throw everybody else under the bus for struggling with the same things that they did. So in some ways, they were a very hypocritical group of people. And Jesus is saying, guard your heart so that that doesn't grow in your life. And then he continues on, in verse 7, he says the very hairs of your head are numbered. In verse 12, he says that if you're brought before the authorities, don't, don't stress because the Holy Spirit is going to teach you what to say. In verse 15, he says life is not going to consist of an abundance of possessions. In verse 19, he gives us this illustration about a rich farmer who is just amassing great wealth. And when he's asked, what are you going to do when you run out of room? 
When you fill up all the barns, what are you going to do? His solution is, I'll just build a bigger barn. To which Jesus comes along in verse 20 and says, actually, this can all be taken away in the blink of an eye. So it's really not about the accumulation of stuff. Life has to be more than just that. In verses 22 through 26, we're reminded to not worry about our life. Because, see, God clothes the flowers of the field, and we are so much more valuable than the flowers of the field. So the Lord is going to provide for us. And then verses 33 and 34, don't store for yourself treasures on earth, but store for yourself treasures where? In heaven. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And see, all of that sets the stage for this next part. It's setting the stage, reminding us that God cares, that life is not about stuff, that we shouldn't be enamored by all the stuff, that we shouldn't stress, that we should keep everything in its proper perspective because it's not about you. It's not about you. More isn't always more. But how do we live? Sometimes in direct contradiction to this. Sometimes we struggle to live this way. Because then often in life, what happens is the very things that we work hard to achieve and maintain, and this is in your notes if you like to fill in some notes, the very things that we work hard to achieve and maintain, things like education and resources, influence, see, those should not be the things that we deny God access to. The very things that we work hard to achieve and maintain, things like our education, our resources, our influence, those should not be the things that we deny God access to. But often... Those are the very things that we deny God access to. That's why he says in verse 34 of chapter 12, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Have you noticed in your life that your heart follows your treasure? Where you have placed your treasure, whether that's in the things of this world, your heart will follow that. If you've placed your treasure in the things of God and the relationships that you have, then often your heart is going to follow after that. So see, all of these things that we have as people of means and people who have resources and people who have access, all of these things are, are, are things that the Lord is desiring to have access to. He's not desiring for us to give him access to all areas of our life except these specific things. That's why he spent verses 1 through 34 casting a vision for us about how we're handling those things and how we're to, to be ready to work and to do whatever it is that he's asked us to do. So are those areas of your life off limits or are those areas of your life things that, the God, that God has access to? I've had the privilege, uh, like many of you have, to, to see different parts of the world. And I specifically, as I've traveled around the world, you, you, you learn about different cultures and you see things. And, and, and one of the things that I've realized is that, you know, where we live and the, and the resources that we have is, is not better than any other part of the world. It's just different. And what you see in other parts of the world are that the resources are just not as prevalent as we often have here and as we have access to. I've had the privilege to travel to a community called Red Hill in Cape Town, South Africa, numerous times. And, and I've seen this with my own eyes. Every time that I've been there, I've seen kids walking around in the village during a school day. And I began to ask after a couple years of being there, you know, why, why are these kids not in school? Because some of them are in school and some are not in school. And the answer that I most frequently got is that they can't afford uniforms to be in school. You know, there's a certain fee that's charged for the uniforms, and these parents are having to make these really gut-wrenching choices. Do I provide food for my family to scrapping up the limited resources I have to put food on the table, or do I buy a uniform to send my kids to school? And I would venture to say that I would make the same choice that those parents were making. 
But yet that's also not a problem that's foreign. That's a problem that happens here in our area. It happens right here in Middle Tennessee with the deficiencies that so many families have. And for those of us who are people of resource and people who have access to resources and educational pursuits, have we protected all of those things from God? Or have we openly said, Lord, whatever you desire to do through the education that I have and the training that I have to simply use for you, Jesus is trying to paint a different picture. He's trying to use verses 1 through 34 to paint a different picture in verses 35 and follows about how we should live. So the question at hand is, who are you leveraging for? Are you leveraging for yourself? That word leverage means to maximize. Are you maximizing for yourself or for God? It's a simple question, but a question that only you can answer. And I want you to think about your response as we continue in Luke chapter 12, picking up in verse 35. Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose masters find them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect. So verses 35 and 36 tell us about this truth that you and I are to keep our candles lit and our lamps burning like a servant who's waiting for his master to return. In this story, it might be a little confusing as it was for me when I started studying this. You know, who, all is, who are we talking about here? And when you see in these passages of Scripture, the servants, that, that's you and I. We're the ones in this story that are, are, are on the, the, the servant side. And then you've got words like master and, and a few other words that would describe God, that would describe Jesus in this illustration. And when God comes and knocks on the door of the house, they either immediately open the door or they don't. Jesus is trying to get us to understand, are, are, are you ready? Are you ready to do whatever it is that I'm asking you to do? Or are you going to allow all of the stuff that you've accumulated, all of the things that you've accumulated to not be leveraged for me? Are those going to be the reasons that your lamp is not lit and that your lamp is not ready? He's painting a different picture here for us, a different picture of what true purpose-filled living is all about. And the purpose-filled life that hopefully you and I are desiring, the key to purpose-filled living is the ability to wait well. It's the ability to be ready. It's the ability to not allow the things, the, the, the things to stand in the way, but rather the things that we have to be leveraged for him. The ability to wait well, very actively waiting and trusting and believing. Last week, we studied uh, from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, and we looked at the writer um, Solomon and his wisdom this morning, out of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, I want to read you another truth from the, one of the wisest men who ever walked on the face of this earth. He says that the end of the matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Patience is better than pride. What is pride? Pride is arrogant. Pride is self-seeking. Pride is all about who? Me. It's all about my needs being met. The writer of Solomon says it's better to be patient. It's better to wait it's better to kind of stay still and just rest in God's goodness and allowing God to have everything in our life, just patiently waiting for what it is that he would desire to do, opposed to being a person of pride and arrogance. So see, we seek to wait and 
allow God to nudge us and move us in whatever direction that he would desire. All of the things in our life, we would say, Lord, you can take them and you can use them. When God wants access to your life, do you give it to him? Or do you say, God, you can have access to one through five, but six through 10 is completely off limits. When God reminds you that he's not just given you and your kids an amazing education for their own benefit, but rather for his plans and his purposes, do you respond positively to that? Or is that something that causes you a little bit of stress? Do you have your lamps trimmed and ready to be used for God? Or do you not hear him knocking anymore? What can get in the way of hearing God work? What can get in the way of us leveraging everything for the Lord? Usually what gets in the way is us. What gets in the way of us saying yes to the invitations that people give us? Other things that we've already said yes to. What gets in the way of us, you know, being a person who kind of holds our education, our training, our resources very open-handedly, say, Lord, whatever it is that you would desire to do. Often what gets in the way is a, a very full schedule of everything else. Nothing wrong with that. It's just a reality that more is sometimes more for us. And the Lord might be speaking to our hearts this morning to say, just keep everything in the proper perspective because what's going to happen in verse 40 is that you must be ready because the Son of Man is going to come in an hour when you don't expect him. And he's going to call you to follow him and to trust him in some areas that may not even make sense. The next steps may not be as clear as you would want them to be. But will you willingly obey or will you miss it? something that burdens me about the church, and, and this isn't a Rolling Hills comment or a Nolensville Church's comment. This is just, you know, the, the kind of the Western church, the, the American church, if you will, which is the church that I'm the most familiar with because here in America, pastoring in America, something that, that burdens me is that you and I have really great access to everything. Great access to everything. And unfortunately, that access is not, always transforming us. We've not allowed those things in our life to be leveraged for him. We've not allowed that training that we've received to be leveraged for him. Or, Or is it possible that we have so many choices and so much in our life that we're just numb to what it is that the Lord would desire to do? Or how about this? Have you become so bad at waiting that you just take matters into your hands all the time? And we need to be reminded of that truth that patience is better than pride. And it's, it is, and it's actually better to just kind of silently wait and trust that the Lord is writing a story that he desires to write. So see, the, the things sometimes that could have been the helpful parts, the helpful things, the training, the education, the, the resources, instead of being helpful, sometimes they've actually harmed us. And the Lord's saying, no, I don't, I don't want it to be that way. I want you to give me access from day one to all of those things and see what I can do. Now, if you really want to stress yourself out, um, which I'm I'm assuming that you guys are wanting some ways to know how to do that. If you're really wanting to stress yourself out, take a preschooler to Baskin Robbins and let them pick from all 31 flavors. (laughs) Seriously, I tried this one time. I was with my kids and I thought, you know, I'm going to be dad of the year. Take my kids to Baskin Robbins, walked in and I said, the buffet is open 
please pick whatever you want. The wheels started falling off because we couldn't decide between this and this and this. And then the wheels truly started falling off. Tears started ensuing. Everybody in line starts judging me and my parenting ability. What has this guy doing? And what I thought was going to be this beautiful moment turned into a really not that beautiful moment. What you realize in the moment is that you need to stay over here in the pink cotton candy flavor or the blue cotton candy flavor. Those are your choices. Pick which one of those you desire. What Jesus is trying to get us to understand here is that excess for excess sake may not be helpful. And it might very well be that the, the, the buffet of everything that we have at our disposal could have helped us, could have been beneficial if we would allow him to leverage it from the beginning. So maybe there's some areas in our life that we need to say, Lord, take complete control over here and now because you've reminded us that you're coming back at an hour when we may not expect. And so will we be ready? Will we use that knowledge? Will we use the training? Will we reuse the things that we've been given for his sake or for our own? Something that I've realized in life about knowledge and education and training and all of the things that you and I pride ourselves in, amazing things, amazing things that we have access to. What I've come to realize, though, is that knowledge is really only beneficial to the extent that you're ready and willing to use it. Have you noticed this in life? That knowledge is truly beneficial to the extent that you're ready and willing to use it. See, we might be the most educated people on the planet, but if we're not doing anything with it, then there might be some areas of leverage that we need to maximize for what it is that God would desire to do. Because knowledge for knowledge's sake is knowledge. Now, there is a proper time for that knowledge to come out. If you like trivia, kudos to you. If you're a trivia player, knowledge for knowledge's sake is a beautiful thing. I am married to a trivia player. In fact, if you are putting together, if you're putting together a team, you'd need my wife to be the closer on your trivia team, okay? And so with the exception of you are shaking your heads because you have been there. You need her on your team because she is the closer for trivia. And so when it comes to knowledge, if you're outputting it in something like that, great. But if it's not actually outpouring into something of a beneficial nature, then how beneficial is it, really? We have two beautiful children, and I love them with all of my heart, and I remember the day so vividly that both of them were born. And what I was so thankful for is that my wife's physician had been to medical school. I was really thankful for that because that got really weird really quick and really mind-numbing. And I thought, wow, I'm really glad that there's somebody here that knows what she's doing, but in the moment, it actually meant more to me that she knew what to do. That was far more important to me than what was hanging on her wall in her office. She knew what to do in this moment. See, if you deliver my babies healthy, I don't care where you went to medical school. It, matter, it makes no difference to me. If they came into the world healthy, University of Tennessee, Harvard, somewhere else in the Caribbean, I don't care as long as they came into this world healthy. See, that education that you and I get, the training that we have, the access to those things, that we have the insight and the wisdom that we have garnered over all of these years of our life. 
that has to take root and outpour somewhere and to help someone and to point someone closer to Jesus and to ultimately say, Lord, leverage it for your plan and for your purposes. Jesus is saying, I'm desiring to do something in your life. Just don't miss it. I'm desiring to do something, so don't miss it. We continue in verse 41. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? I'm going to stop right there. Don't you love Peter? I mean, Peter is, Peter is my guy. I, I love this. I, it, Lord, I know you couldn't be talking about us. Clearly, you're talking about the thousands of disciples who have gathered here, right? Because we would never struggle with this. He's got to be talking about somebody else. When you're in a meeting and, and, you're, and you get a kind of a, an office edict that comes down and you're thinking to yourself, I wonder who that was because it wasn't me. I couldn't be the one that broke that rule. Peter, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And the Lord answered him, who then is the faithful and wise manager? Keep in mind who I said, you know, manager, we're looking at, we're looking at God, we're looking at Jesus in this illustration, and, and servant, we're looking at ourselves. Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he doesn't expect him. And in an hour when he's not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. See, the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does know and does things deserving punishment, or does not know uh, rather, and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded." And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. See, Jesus is saying here that it's necessary for us to be ready to leverage everything that we have for him. And if we don't leverage everything that we have for him, then there might be some rich blessings that we miss. There might be some full living, some full abundant living that was just right around the corner for us. And our stress and our anxiety prevented us from seeing it. There's some full, rich living. There's even adversities that we can protect ourselves from. There's some setbacks and there's some challenges. And you see the specific challenges that are of a sounding kind of barbaric here in this case that, that, that can come into our life when we're living for ourselves. But ultimately what God wants to do is to leverage everything for him. See, knowing all that you've been given, knowing all that we've been given, knowing all that these first century hearers had been given, Jesus is reminding them that you're held to a higher standard. You're held to an overall higher standard. Now, all throughout chapter 12, did you see Jesus saying that the resources were bad? No. Do you see Jesus saying in Scripture that, you know, just the resources at the most basic level are bad or that education is bad or that access to things is bad? Absolutely not. Those things are not bad in and of themselves. They're not unholy in and of themselves. The problem becomes when we allow those things to be leveraged for ourselves opposed to being leveraged for God. He's not saying anti-resource. He's not saying pull your kids out of school and don't give them an education. He's not saying pursue your dreams and goals. He's saying just keep in mind the proper the, the proper jumping off place, that these are to be, to be leveraged for me, God, and not for yourself. 
I've told you stories about my father before on, on random occasions here. And my father's a great man, truly a great man, a great rock of our family. And I have the utmost respect and admiration um, for him and the way that he's led our family. And I remember one time when I was 16, 17 years old. I don't even remember the situation, but I remember I was old enough to know better. And I was disobedient to something that my dad had asked me to do. And at that moment in life, you know, I was... I was nearing adulthood and, you know, a, a, a punishment that had worked when I was nine or 10 was probably not really going to work at this moment in time. And I'll never forget what my dad said to me. He sat me down knee to knee and he looked me square in the eyes and he said, Jason, I'm really disappointed in you. He said, I'm really disappointed in you. I expected more from you. And friends, that cut like a knife. Now that might not bother you, <laughs> That might not have bothered you. Your parents may have said that to you, and you might have been able to just let it go over your head. And some of you are saying, that would not impact my kids right now. But for me, in that moment, it cut me to my core to know that my dad expected something of me, and I didn't rise to that standard, and that I had let him down. See, when Jesus looks at our life, according to verse 48, the last part of verse 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. See, when you've been given much, more will be expected of you. It's a truth that we can take a whiteout pen and eliminate out of Scripture if we want to, but it doesn't change the fact that it's there. That to those of us who have been given much, more will be expected of us. So what are you doing with the education that you've been given? What are you doing with that training that you have received? What are you doing with that skill set that you've developed that the Lord has given you? Lest we forget the skill set that we have came from who? Him, not us. Some of you are impeccable businessmen and women. That didn't come from anybody but God. He's the one that gave you the ability to do that. Some of you are talented just through the roof. It's not for your benefit. It's because God blessed you with that. And he was the giver of that good gift. So see, it's not about your own personal gain. There are some, there are some brilliant men and women in the life of this church that serve so faithfully. And I could stand up here and sing their praises for hours. There are actually some brilliant men and women that are out there as we speak cooking hamburgers for you <laughs> for the picnic here in a little bit because they love the Lord and they want to create an environment for you to have fun. There are some very educated people singing silly songs with first graders as we speak. Very educated. That from the world standards might be a uh, look down upon, is that really the best utilization of your skill set? And yet they know that this is the best utilization of their skill set. There are some amazing men and women in the life of this church that coordinate things when we ask them for help. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for you stepping up to serve. If you're a parent in the room, what about your own kids? Because you're giving them a quality education. You're seeking your best to create them a quality education. We were right here in this school on Friday morning with kindergarten sneak a peek for my five-year-old daughter, right here. And I was trying my best to keep the tears at bay, thinking, I can't believe that we're at this season of life already. And I, I, I want to give her the best education 
possible. And I know that those of you in the room who are parents do as well. But what if your kids come to you someday and they say, you know what, I want to be a pastor instead of a doctor. Or I want to be a missionary instead of a businessman or a businesswoman. Are you going to stand in the way of that? Are you going to stand in the way of that? Are you, are you going to set them down knee to knee and say, you know you can't make any money in that? Or there has to be a better plan for you? Or are you going to say, you know what? You have been given much, and the church needs you. You have been given much, and there are people out there that are going to benefit from your skill set. You have been given much, and you might be choosing a career path that is not going to make the most money in the world standards, but it's going to provide hope to people's lives. And so I am so proud of you for saying yes to that. Are you going to be that type of parent? Or are you going to be the one who sways your kids in a direction that may not even be what the Lord has ultimately called them to do? For those of you um, who have a graduating senior and those that we recognized up here just a few minutes ago, you know, they're going to be entering in the workforce someday or going to college or some kind of vocational program or something. And, and to those of you who are in that that, that season right now, you're getting ready to learn a lot of things, but it's really not about you. It's about what the Lord desires to do in and through you. Sometimes, if I'm honest with myself, I, I think that less is actually more. Because as people of means and as people of influence and as people with great educational opportunities and great educational pursuits, instead of giving God a blank check to use our skills as he would desire and our talents as he would desire, um, all too often we say, no, God, that's off limits. But what are we going to say? How are we going to respond when we're the people who have had 24-7 access to so much great material, so many amazing churches here in our community, amazing education available to us, including the school that we're sitting in right now, Bibles laying around our house, and yet we sometimes struggle to leverage it for him, to do what it is that he desires. So friends, we've all been given much. We've all been given much, and much is going to be expected. So who are you leveraging for, God or yourself? You were saying, I'm all in for God or am I all in for me? I pray that whatever answer we would give to that question, the Lord would meet us here in this place and help us to not walk away the same person that we came in today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this amazing opportunity to be here. I thank you for these friends that have assembled today. I pray a huge prayer of blessing over each and every one of them. I'm thankful for what you have done. I'm thankful for everything that you have afforded us, an amazing education, career paths, training, access to so much. And I pray that we would take that, Lord, and truly use it for you. Truly give you complete control to leverage every facet of our life. We're so thankful for who you are, and thank you that you've met us here in this place. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and ask all of these things. Amen and amen. At this time, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. And this is an opportunity for you to continue in worship by giving. If you have a prayer request or a praise, something that you want to celebrate uh, this morning with us, please drop that in uh, this basket as well and know that we will come alongside you and pray for you um, this very week. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to give. We pray that you would take all of these resources, that you would multiply them and use them as we seek to see the community of Nolansville, Nashville, Middle Tennessee ultimately changed for you in this world change for you. Um, 
mold us and shape us and help us to be more and more conformed to you. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and ask all of these things. Amen and amen. As our ushers are collecting our offering this morning, I again want to say thank you for being here with us. It means the world to us to have you visiting with us here, to have you being a part of our church family. And so my hope and my prayer is that you would continue to find ways to connect and get plugged in here to the life of Rolling Hills. I also want to remind you that here in just a few minutes, so after we dismiss you, uh, we have a church picnic that is here for you, uh, available for you today. We hope that you'll stick around for just uh, a little while. After the service, it's going to take us probably about 20 to 30 minutes to kind of fully get everything situated out there. So um, what we would ask you to do this morning, if you would be so inclined to help, um, we uh, have to kind of get everything in the school kind of tore down and out of the doors here, you know, as quickly as we can. So even if you're not a part of the teardown team this morning, we would love to make that team as big as possible. Uh, And so if you'd like to give us a little bit of your uh, brawn this morning, okay? So this is a total, I don't need your brain, just your brawn to help us lift some chairs and get everything packed away. If you'll just kind of stick around here in this area, or if you're going to pick up your kids in the kids ministry area, if you just want to ask Miss Amy or some of the volunteers there, what can I do to help? We would greatly appreciate it. And that way we can um, be out of here just as quickly as we can and enjoy an amazing time of just fun and food uh, together. So again, immediately after we're dis- dismissed, if you could help us out for just a few moments, and then you can make your way out to the playground area and we'll enjoy a time together. Lord, thank you again for this day. We pray for this food that we're going to partake of. We pray that it would just be a great time of fellowship and uh, and community and enjoying um, company with each other. We're grateful for all of your blessings, and we thank you again for who you are. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. You guys have a great Sunday. We'll see you in just a little bit.